Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Plus Intelligence Podcast. I'm your host, Ben Pekulski. Today is an essential conversation. The world right now is going through some challenging times, and there is a war on our attention. There's a war on our consciousness for us and for our children. If you're a parent or if you're someone who is involved with children, or ultimately if you're someone who wants to become aware of the battle right now happening at the level of the school system, at the level of the church, and at the level of the government, this conversation with Matt Boudreau is going to be one you do not want to miss. Matt is the owner of Acted Academy in California, and it's a alternative schooling educational system that uh, has just got my attention for being very, very interesting in how they approach school in what we'll say is a very, very countercultural way. I uh, absolutely love this conversation with Matt. It's pretty revealing for me and from him. It may be controversial. It may piss some people off. But the reality is it's a much needed conversation to start waking up to the reality of our world. And uh, I hope you enjoy it. I hope you love it. And if you do, please share it with at least one person you know and love. Today's podcast is brought to you by Real Mushrooms. Guys, my children, myself, my family, everybody right now is taking mushrooms. Uh, the three primary ones we're taking, actually it's four, but uh, we're taking uh, reishi every single day. Uh, usually three grams before bed is enough for me. If I feel like my HRV is getting a little bit low, my recovery is poor, I'm going to add an extra three grams post-workout. If I feel my immune system starting to, to need a lead and a bit of a boost, then I'm add a little more as well. Um, so anywhere from three to six grams, I've taken up to 10 grams of ratio a day when I feel my immune system is really needing a hit. Head over to realmushrooms.com and use the code BEN to get hooked up. 30% off. If you've already been a repeat customer, you can use the code MUSCLE to get hooked up with 20% off, which is still incredible, incredible value. The highest quality mushrooms on the planet, all organic uh, fruiting bodies, not adding any muscleinated grain in there, which you guys should be avoiding. Um, reishi, lion's mane, cordyceps, and the five defenders are my go-tos. If you're not already using those, I strongly suggest you head over to realmushrooms.com slash Ben and get hooked up. Enjoy the show with Matt Boudreau. Matt Boudreaux, thank you for joining me today, my friend. Honor and pleasure is all mine, sir. Man, you've got an incredible podcast focused around the essential 11. Tell me about the essential 11 questions that you're asking to our youth. Yeah, thanks, man. So um, I had the opportunity to work with a, a research firm out of Texas when I was doing a lot of my, my keynote speaking for, for Fortune 500s everywhere. And so I used them um, to kind of build out this tribe of mentors sort of concept for, uh, for young people. So we conducted a survey, people ages 13 to 22. And I just said, Hey, man, we're going to go to, you know, superstars in business and in sports and in entertainment. And what is the advice you'd want to get from people who are out changing the world? Now, we left it pretty open ended, you know, that way. And so then we just kind of uh, kind of cultivated all the responses and came up with those, those top 11 questions. And so we just use that as the framework for the conversation. And, you know, it's great because we were 120 some odd episodes in and, and the answers are always different. And you know these are some of the most successful people on the planet. So uh, it's been it's been a lot of fun, and we got a lot of good feedback from young people, but also a lot of great feedback from parents. You know, which kind of ended up being it wasn't the initial target, but uh, obviously there's a lot of benefit to that too. So it's been a lot of fun, man. Yeah. So I think you and I both resonate with being parents and the uh, immense amount of uh, responsibility and ultimately potential pressure that comes with being a great parent in this kind of insane world we're living in someone just messaged me and said how are you enjoying living in the twilight zone and i had to laugh at that i was like yeah that kind of feels right you know and it mm -hmm. seems like i mean I, i'd love to hear your opinion on 
the divisiveness that exists right now in the world. And, um, you know, obviously it's all, I mean, not obviously, but it seems to me that it's all curated, right? It's all big PR firms intentionally creating divisiveness uh, to, to drive fear, to drive, you know, more staying home, more purchasing, more media. And I'm curious to hear your, your opinion on that and specifically to how you kind of approach that with your kids. That's such a good, uh, such good insight, man, because the two key words that I think you just said right there, it's fear and, and division. Mm -hmm. Right. And, and I, I would agree on that curation. And I think it comes from a couple of different places. I think there's a, you know, there's definitely a cultural push towards this. I think there are, um, those cultural pushes are influencing parental trends. Uh, and then, you know, you got the education system or I'll say the schooling system, because I think we left education uh, a long like time correction. ago, right? So the schooling system, um, I think there's all these kind of little tentacles that are kind of pushing people down that path of fear. And I think fear is the primary goal. And once you kind of have that fear and you kind of have that confusion, well, then at that point, it's much easier to divide, right? It's much easier to divide a populace at that point, because you have already told them, look, there is an enemy, there's something to be afraid of. And there is somebody on the other side as well. So there is always somebody that you have got to battle against, right? Which is all, you know, it's propaganda 101. Um, and so, you know, I think, again, these parental trends and, and schooling play a big role in perpetuating fear. So that's one of the big things for me with parents, man, is is not living in fear. It's wrapping your head around, yeah, dude, we're living in a twilight zone. We are, we're living in a weird, we're living in a weird time. But Ben doesn't control that. Matt doesn't control that. All I can control is my response to it. And I need to control my response to it because my children are watching me and how I navigate the world. So if I go from that fear-based mentality all I'm doing is putting a megaphone on that and I am shouting that to my own kids, not just in what I'm saying, and, and but what I'm doing and what I'm focusing on and just the energy that I'm giving off, man, whether I'm positive, whether I'm negative, whether I'm happy, whether I'm sad, right? They're seeing that, they're feeling that, and that is literally becoming the foundation for who they're going to be. And if I know I'm building the foundation for these strong humans that I'm tasked for raising, I'm going to make that foundation. There's no perfect parent, but I'm going to make that foundation as good as it can get, you know? You know, I love that advice. And that comes down back to stuff that I teach. Even when it comes to physique enhancement, it's like step one in change is awareness. So learning how to control mm -hmm. the alarm bells, right? So yep. if I'm in a situation where I'm fear driven and, and I can't control my reaction, it's a react. It's like an immediate innate reaction. I have no control over that. Then everything I do, food, drinking, any of these, these uh, external reactive uh, responses ultimately is not within the realm of my control, my conscious right. decision making. So as a parent, it's the same thing. Well, it's true, right? It's like, what are you doing to learn to control your physiology so that you can then control your mind and control the ability to make decisions? I think people, uh, I take for granted that you and I can probably just, you know, be conscious enough in the moment to make an intentional decision. I assume that a large percentage of the population simply doesn't do that. They don't have the ability to be conscious of the decisions they're making. We're fighting an uphill battle, right? They're very reactive. They're they're just, you know, the alarm bells are constantly going off. Right. And they can't help but be angry and fearful and and all these other emotions that are simply not helping anybody. That's right. Well, and so you're touching on the fact that we are emotional beings. And and some people, you know, okay, we gotta get around that. You gotta get no, the reality is you're an emotional being. We are we are designed that way, period. So that's okay. It's okay to acknowledge that and it's okay to have those emotions pop up. It's okay to be angry that something happens. It's okay to, you know, all of that is fine. 
But again, it's recognizing that and then controlling what you do with it. Recognizing that just made me angry. Um, but what am I going to do with that? Am I going to use that to then inform me what my next step is and, and how to navigate that? Or am I going to use that to just um, respond to and lash out to and affect everybody else around me, right? Like we get to choose that response. And I love that you bring up, you know, kind of the, the physique part. I mean, that's as you're going through, it's a daily discipline. It's every single day. And you're having to take all those external influences every day and figure out, okay, how do I want this to look for the next iteration of what I'm doing with my body? And what am I willing to test out? And how does that look? But it's, it's that thought behind it. And I think you're right. Uh, most people just go with the emotion without any thought. And, and that's where we got to get people, you know, uh, moving forward in the right way. Yeah. So that's one of the primary premises I teach, man, is like learning to control your states of arousal, right? Yeah. So if we're way up here and we're constantly on, on high alert, like there's a, there's a snake or a lion in the corner, there's no way yep. that I can make good, intelligent decisions. So you know, the, my listeners are, are kind of inculcated by now, like, hey, man, learn to control your arousal states. Learn if you need to be highly aroused, like you're going into the gym or you're going into a confrontation. That's great. Let's use that. Let's intentionally uh, access that. Right. When I'm at home, I want to be it's the idea of the warrior and the monk, right? It's like yeah. when I'm ready to train or get after it, I want to be a warrior. And when I'm at home with my kids. Yes, it's that. So one of the, uh, you know, kind of a, uh, a catch, I won't say it's a catchphrase, but it's kind of a concept that gained a lot of popularity for a long time was um, the concept of, you know, well, don't compartmentalize and don't compartmentalize your feelings. And, um, and I think that's actually going to get us into a dangerous spot. I think the need to be able to recognize those emotions and go, okay, cool. I'm going to go ahead and put that away. And I'm going to bring that back out when I can use that emotion. Um, and I think that's kind of what you're touching on, right? Because Ben- Is it useful right now, right? Is it useful right now? Exactly. Ben, as you know, you're the same guy, but every version of you is going to be a little different. Ben as the podcast host is going to look one way. Then when Ben goes to the gym, you're still you, but it's a different version of you. It's a different iteration of you. When you're Ben as the husband, when you're Ben as the father, all of those are just amplified pieces of you. And that's where that compartmentalization comes in to truly be a, a superpower, right? Where you can utilize those emotions. Yeah. Totally, man. So what are the three most impactful questions of the essential 11 that come to mind? You know, the ones that when you hear other people answer and be like, man, this has really made an impact on my thinking, the way I approach life. Um, the, my favorite one, um, without a doubt is what is a piece of common knowledge that everybody knows is true, but you say, no, that's absolutely not the case. That is my, like, that is my favorite one by far. It's the one that stumps the most people, or at least I won't say it stumps them. It makes them stop and have to think, um, you know, where they're kind of counterculture um, in a regard. But um, it's so it's very interesting. It's really good insight into who that guest truly is. So what's been so, man, I've got an answer to that question that actually just came to me this morning. I won't say it, but I'd like to hear your, um, your you know, some of your responses that uh, come to mind for you that have kind of made an impact on you. Gosh, what are some of them? I mean, the ones that I obviously, I mean, there's some that I certainly agree with. We've had everything from silly answers to like, you know, vegetables are good for you to, um, you know, college is, is, uh, is definitely something, you know, worthwhile, which is something that resonates with me on, on the educational side. Um, 
I would have to go back and, and really kind of listen to some of the guests. There's been just so many variations of that. I don't know that there's anybody. Well, what's one that comes through for you right now? Just like one thing that you, that you used to believe that you're like, now I'm like, eh. it's uh gosh, man, there's, there's, I can go a million different ways on that too, but I will, um, I'll kind of sum up the few that are most powerful thoughts in my head in one thing. I don't think you find education at school. I don't think you find health in the hospital and I don't think you find God at church. Hmm. I love it. Those man. are, those are kind of the three for me um, that I think all three of those are things worth pursuing. And I don't think you find them in the place that is supposed to be the most obvious to pursue it. I love it, man. And so one thing you'll, you'll appreciate, I walked into my kid's school. They went to a new school last year for the first time. And I said to the teacher, listen, you have, so it's a homeschool collective. And so I said to the teacher, listen, I don't care if my kids learn a thing in the next five years. She's going to teach them for at least five years. It's like, I don't care if they learn a thing. Here's what I need. I need them to be great people. I need them, them to love learning. I'm like, mm. I don't care if they can know anything by the time they leave here. Beautiful. If they love learning, the world is a oyster. It's going to, everything's going to be easy. So That's rather than exactly shift right. into like, oh, they got to be good at multiplication by seven and they got to be good at reading by five. And like, I don't care, man. I want them to love reading and be great human beings. And as I said, before we started your post along those lines is really something that resonated with me. That's awesome, man. Yeah, it's that mindset. That mindset is the foundation for for everything. I mean, that is literally the foundation for they'll be able to learn the skills, they'll be able to learn the academia, they'll be able to learn what they need to learn if they've got that mindset that you just that you just outlined. And that's actually relatively easy to cultivate um, and relatively easy to put together the right environment for that. It's not having to battle those parents at home. So I love that. And it actually folds it, you know, one of the other questions that I like to ask. Uh, the guest that's one of my favorite questions is, what do you want to see from a young person if they are to come to work for you, right? So you would see, so if this 18-year-old young person comes to you and says, hey, I really, really love what you're doing and I want to come work for you right now, what is it that you want to see that makes you go, yeah, okay, I'm going to take a chance on that young person? And one of the most interesting things, again, we've had some of the top entrepreneurs in the world not once has anybody referenced any form of academia. Hmm. I have I, I think an answer that came to mind right away, but I'm curious to hear you what, what the answers have been. I mean, that's it. But the, so it's not so they're looking for things like integrity. They're looking for things like the willingness to, um, you know, take on an adventure. They're looking for things like, um, you know, the willingness to put themselves out there and blow it and make a mistake. Right. And, and kind of what we call fire aim ready, not ready aim fire. Yep. Um, you know, they're looking for, um, you know, a, a history of self-confidence built through adversity. Um, they're looking for all those things where you and I would go, okay, that's a strong human being because, and some of the people that we likely look up to follow, enjoy, take inspiration from, they're looking for those virtues, values, and qualities, you know, so you across the board. First thing that came to mind for me is too, is when you said it right, is integrity, the other one's growth mindset. That's it. If you have a growth mindset, I can teach you anything. Anything. Brilliant, right. That's right. That's right. Um, you know, and it's the, the character, right. I can play well with the other boys and girls and I'm always going to come there ready to go is that growth mindset. I'm ready to learn. I'm ready to, you know, uh, provide value. It's all those things across the board. You know, it's various iterations of that kind of conceptual stuff. Not a single person has gone, well, they need to, you know, have gone to college or they need a, you know, I want to see what their SAT scores were, what they did on, you know, algebra two. Nobody cares, man. Yeah. The true growth mindset is really interesting, right? So it's someone who can take, uh, if you have a true growth mindset, you can take any criticism, right? So that that's, 
uh, that people want direct uh, instruction or direct feedback. And most people in our world are kind of uh, hit over the head and, mm -hmm. uh, you know, weakened ultimately. Everything has to be sugar coated. And yes, we sir. have to believe that everything's got to be said nicely. And we have to, I'm like, whoa, 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 I don't want anyone to be nice. I just want you to be honest. Yes, sir. That, so that's where it ties in with that integrity piece. That's it, man. That's yeah. absolutely it. I could not agree more. That's it. We just want it to be straightforward and, and to the point. Yeah. So I think those are those are two of the favorites. And then one is, um, is which I think you'll find interesting too, because there's one guest that really stood out. There's a um, question about what do you want your legacy to be, right? And so, and the way the question is framed is, um, you know, God comes down to you and goes, "Hey, uh, by the way, Ben, tomorrow is your last day." And you're all you're all set. So I um, just want to let you know now to to you know tie up any loose ends, and we're going to put you in the ground. We're going to put that headstone there. What do you want me to write on that headstone? That's kind of your legacy. Like, what would that look like? You know. And so that's always interesting to see where people are really kind of like where their heart is. But I think one of the most interesting um, comments, and it really came from uh, a place of humility, was Mark Bell. Um, you know, Mark said. Oh, I've got nothing. You don't have to put anything on there. And I said, what, what do you mean? He says, I don't, I mean, I, I don't, I'm not concerned about a, a legacy. I'm doing what I you know, need to do while I'm here, but people are going to forget about me, man, when I'm gone. Like, I just want to make everybody's day better while they're here. And pour well, it into it. Right. It's that. And that's it. And I said, well, that is your legacy. And he's like, that's fine. He's like, but nobody's going to remember that other than, you know, potentially the, the few family members, everybody else will remember me for a day or two and then they'll be gone. You know, and it was just coming from such a, a, humble place but i think that humble simplicity was one of the most you know maybe one of the wisest answers that, that we've gotten to that question because it's that my the legacy the legacy that i'm going to leave it's the three children that are at home yeah i mean i love that i love mark he's, he's been a guest he's an amazing amazing guy a good guy. friend so how do you deal with um not allowing your children to kind of be pulled into the complacency or the the mediocrity mindset, right? That everybody gets a participation trophy culture that that exists now. And and tell me, like, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, it's it's one of the most detrimental things we've done in society. Um, I mean, yeah. pure and simple. This whole eighth place trophy, cut corners. It's not okay. You know, don't have any kind of standards around, um, you know, achievement, accomplishment uh, in any category. Um, it's one of the most detrimental things we've done, and we've created an entitled. Um, in a weak backboned society yep. uh, because of it. And it's not just like in the last few years, this has been going on for, for a good 20, 30. I mean, you can see the declination. So yeah. very much, um, very much against that. So, you know, for my own children, I'm, I'm very much a believer of, you know, not trying to um, fearfully stay away of what you don't want to happen. I'm, you sprint towards what you want to happen, right? You don't, you don't shy away from this stuff. You just sprint right. towards this stuff. And so for them, it's imparting responsibility nonstop. Um, that's a huge part of who we are. They have res massive responsibility at home. Oh, tell me about that. I'm curious. Like, well, you can keep going, but I'd love to hear about that. Yeah. I mean, they have, so we live on a, a little ranch out here in, in California. And so part of the reason we're on a ranch is because we have a couple horses. Those horses were purchased by my 10-year-old and 8-year-old daughters. Because they said, Dad, we want horses. We're falling in love with horses. I'm like, that's awesome. You better figure out how to pay for horses and how you're going to take care of horses. If you want it, great. 
you're going to have to figure out how to do it. So it was their businesses they were putting together, um, both at our school campus and, and then outside of that, they saved up their money for, for three years, pouring into all these businesses so that they could buy the horses. And now they have horses before school every day. They're out there and they're, you know, out feeding the animals. They're out shoveling shit. They're out pulling eggs from the chickens. They're out, they're out doing all of that stuff. And they've got to do it again, you know, in the evening time. And they know they've got a, a lot of chores around the house. And that's just part of, that's not, well, you do this for extra um, allowance. It's just part of what, it's just what we do. Yep. Right. It's just what we do. It's just who we are. So they know that um, any freedoms they want, any, or we can go to a friend's house, or we can have a sleepover, or we can do, you know, any of that stuff. Freedom is tied to responsibility. They will say it over and over, but they know that that's the case. They've got to take care of all the things they got to take care of before they get the opportunity to do anything, um, you know, that, that they want to do. And so that's something that's been built into them from day one. Obviously, the way I built these school campuses, the way, um, you know, we've got Acton Academy, it's the reason I love Acton is because it's based on the same thing. Acton can work for anybody, but it doesn't work for everybody because there's work involved. Um, you've got to actually go forward and push yourself and achieve and accomplish in order to get, you know, all of the freedoms that you want. And by push forward and accomplish, I don't mean you got to go take a specific math test. That's not it. You just have to be pushing. You just have to be pushing the boundaries on um, being the best possible person you can be, treating others with respect, and working on something. That's all we're at. Work on something. Go show tangible effort of pushing yourself forward, not watching YouTube videos, not, you know, uh, sitting on video games all day. It's not that you're like, you're, you're actually attacking something and, and setting goals for yourself. Um, so it's literally built into the fabric of everything they do every single day. So what do you do with a child that comes in and maybe isn't inculcated into that lifestyle yet? This is new to them. Like, so uh, I assume that happens often. It does happen. Um, and so we try to uh, we try to get ahead of it as much as we can. So the reality is if we've got a young person who comes in at five, six or seven, um, they're going to jump in and 99% of the time, it's going to be great. It's going to be fine. And then the long tail implication of, of that is, you know, you've got this person, you set this amazing foundation, this work ethic, this character development, you've got all that set and then they're off to the races in perpetuity. If they come in and they've been trained, well, school looks this way. And if they're seeing at home, you know, mom and dad, no matter what kind of um, standard they're theoretically holding, if mom and dad aren't raising the bar on their own standards, they're not on their own hero's journey. They're not leading by example. Mm -hmm. Ultimately, we're going to lose. So we're trying to filter that out from the front as much as possible. Every month we'll have an info session here on campus. We'll get 100 families that will come into an info session. And I make it very clear up front that I'm trying to get people to leave as quickly as possible. And really, I'm talking about it from the context of we will expose you as a parent if you do not have a growth mindset at home, if you do not hold responsibility in a high regard at home. Uh, we're trying to expose all those things now because we're going to lose that battle on campus. Um, but their freedoms on campus are tied directly to that. So when they own that and go, wait a second, I can do anything I want to, I just have to work hard and, and be nice. They, if they wrap their head around that, sky's the limit, man. We've got kids making, you know, all kinds of money. We got kids that have their products or their businesses in these stores. We got kids that are, um, you know, getting dream jobs directly off the stage, graduating from high school. You know, it's they just have to own that first up here. How did the uh, the idea for this come about, Matt? Like, I'm curious. 
you know, what problem you saw in the world and uh, where that first kind of came up in your mind is like, yeah, I'm going to be the guy that solves this. Um, I was in schools. <laughs> so, you know, I, Naval Ravikant talks about specific knowledge and, and how people should take advantage of their specific knowledge. And it's a, a combination of, you know, you being in uh, a number of different experiences. So first and foremost, I came, you know, I was working at Stanford University. So I saw the game of schooling at that level. And then I went in, was a public school teacher and I was a public school administrator, private school teacher, private school administrator. So I got to know the game there and I could see, um, you know, the, the things that were developed in there that weren't about human beings at all, the politics, the money, the agendas, um, all of those things that were playing out. And you could see how forcefully those things were playing out. It had nothing to do with kids. So seeing all that, I was what I was called creatively insubordinate, you know, working with the kids that I was working with. But I also started to get to work with Fortune 500s around the world. And when I'd sit down and talk to these HR managers, the hiring managers, the CEOs, they're going, hey, we've got all these kids that are coming out of Stanford, Harvard, MIT. They're super, super smart and they suck. We want to fire them. They, yeah. they have that entitlement, right? There is that work ethic is not there. They don't understand. They understand how to play school, but they don't understand how to actually uh, bring the qualities to the table that are going to help. Can you help us with that? So seeing what they are asking for and not seeing, seeing what public school is specifically set up to do, which is to create this at best, um, you know, was really kind of my journey down like, okay, well, we got to do something different and you're not going to be able to change it in a public school. You're going to have to create something different. So um, when I found kind of the Acton Academy network and went and spent some time in the very first one, um, I knew within a matter of moments that that was what I needed to bring to to California too. So, and now I'm helping push the governance for the entire network worldwide. I love it, man. So it seems like the world is at war for the consciousness of of children, for the consciousness specifically of children, I believe, and obviously of adults as well. Yes, sir. Um, what do you think needs to be done? You know, and you could speak to the level of adults. You could speak to the level of children to uh, ultimately allow us to kind of um, one, be able to think for ourselves to, um, you know, be value driven humans rather than just, uh, you know, automaton uh, zombies, which just seems like the, the typical education system is trying to create. Um, yeah. Any, any, any kind of th thought that comes to mind there and what needs to happen at a grassroots level from youth all the way up to adulthood? Yeah. I, you know, one of the biggest things, honestly, that I, I think um, people need to do is parents need to pull their kids out of public schools. Yeah. Uh, and I know that sounds like, oh, you know, parents, oh, I can't do that. There's no way to do that. I can't afford private or I can't homeschool. I can't. Um, people would not make those excuses if they really, truly had an understanding of how damaging um, it truly is to, to our kids. And I always preface that by saying there are phenomenal humans who are teachers and administrators in our yeah. school. It is not the people that I ever have an issue with. Um, it is absolutely the system and the agenda. Um, that I have an issue with. That in and of itself would be a huge step forward for so many people. Um, but I think we also have to start shifting the way we think about young people. Uh, they are capable of far more than we give them credit. For. So much. So yeah. much more. Shifting that to where, you know, one of the books, so, uh, are you familiar with Tim Kennedy? Tim. Uh, so Tim and I have, uh, developed a mentorship program called Apogee Strong, right? And Apogee Strong is we're, we're mentoring young men uh, from 
all over the world. We got young men everywhere. And the first book we have them read is called Do Hard Things. And Do Hard Things, these two young men wrote it. And one of the things they talk about in there is that the term teenager didn't even exist in the 1940s, until the 1940s. Before that, you were 12, great. You're 13, congratulations, you're a man. Mm-hmm. And with that comes all the expectations of what it means to be a man. You're expecting a mature outlook. You're expecting them to work, to move forward, to take responsibility for where they're going. I think us shifting the idea that a 13-year-old through now 25, 26, 27-year-old is just going to be, quote-unquote, figuring out life by going through the motions, doing what he or she is told, playing video games, swiping left, swiping right, and then all of a sudden we're going to have these functional you know, uh, adults, it's bullshit. I mean, it's not, it's clearly not happening. The kids need, you know, they need adults leading by example, but they need to take on those responsibilities earlier. We need to give them that, um, and give them the motivation to, to continue that into perpetuity. Man, I love that. And that actually brings up, so the the thing you said was the most interesting question is what have you always believed is true that now you think is not Mm. my response to that was, uh, well, twofold. Originally, I was going to say that the government has your best interest at heart. And oh, dear God. I, I think a lot of people had that belief for a very long time. Yes, and, and I know, uh, I mean, we have, uh, I think, I'm assuming we probably have parallel beliefs here. Yes, where that isn't obviously the case. And the same thing with the school system, right? I think a lot of people believe that the school system has their best interest at heart, their children's best interest at heart. And it's come to light to me, certainly in the last, I don't know, maybe 10 years, maybe longer, that it's, it seems to be almost the opposite. And I'd love to hear kind of your thoughts on that. It's guaranteed to be the opposite. So again, I want people to understand when like the teachers and the administrators, 99% of them absolutely have your child's best interest at heart. But they have to stay within the confines of the the rules. Bingo. It's that, right? If Mm -hmm. I have the ability and the desire to make you a three-star Michelin restaurant quality meal, but I am in a McDonald's kitchen with McDonald's ingredients. There is only so much I can do. And the end result is still McDonald's quality that's ultimately going to make you sick. Right. And it it seems like that. It seems like the same thing is happening right now with COVID, right? Like I I don't have a belief that the police officers that are enforcing the laws and the the medical professionals who who are administering vaccines have bad intentions. They're like, oh, I'm doing what's in the confines of the law, like what yeah. I'm supposed to be doing. They're just following the rules like they were taught to do in school. And I think that's the same, it's, a, it's the extension of the, the schooling system, isn't it? That's exactly it. And yeah. so it's, that is the, it's the system. The system thrives on perpetuating itself. And so everything is, is built right. That's why I said, you know, I don't believe you find, you know, God at church. I don't believe you find education at schools. I don't believe you find health in the doctor's office. Because what you're talking about are big systems that there is so much money and power to be maintained by those systems perpetuating themselves. So of course, when they're training new people to come into that system, they are training them in a fashion that is to perpetuate the system, right? A good doctor is really a good doctor if you get the person healthy enough and understanding health enough to never need them. That's what a good doctor would be. But of right. course, there's no money in those healthy people, right? It's the same thing. You treat, uh, you know, if you've got a population that, that truly understands what education means, what learning means, um, what you ultimately end up finding is that people would figure out really quickly, ah, school is the antithesis of that. 
So for my kids, I'm not going to perpetuate that system. I'm going to perpetuate, you know, uh, kind of the way I've always done it. That's exactly right, man. It's the systems. So Matt, what would you say to a listener of this podcast who for the first time is coming to the awareness that the government and the school system don't have their best interests at heart? Where do they start? Yeah, um, you're going to need to uncondition yourself. Um, so much. Right? Because school is, school is a religion yeah. for us. It's literally that hard. So when you start speaking against a religion, there's a cognitive dissonance that takes place and it's almost like a physical like, uh, uh. and so I've walked a million parents through an intellectual understanding of why the school system is a mess and they can get there, but they still have an emotional attachment because it is such a religious thing. Right? What they so, did. That's right. So what I tell people is one of the best places to start. If you can find anything by um, John Taylor Gatto, totally. my <laughs> gosh, like go there, right? John yeah. was great. I got a, had a chance to meet him before he passed. And I mean, just a legendary human being. So going there will give you, and the reason I always recommend him first is because he gives a good historical context as to not just why school is not beneficial, why it's actually detrimental and that it was meant to be detrimental. Mm -hmm. Right. He's the one that speaks out, I think, most clearly around that. Um, and then there's a million other resources, you know, from there. You can listen to guys like Seth Godin, listen to guys like Gary Vaynerchuk, listen to guys. Um, Michael Ellsberg wrote a great book called The Education of Millionaires. I mean, there's so many different avenues then at that point where you can start to see the differences between people who are happy, healthy, successful versus not and how school, um, you know, is really the antithesis of those paths. But JTG is where to start, man. What do you say to parents who right now are hearing this and going, man, it sounds like work. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> yeah, it is. And, and if you didn't want, if you didn't want to sign up for work, you probably shouldn't have had kids. Right. I mean, that's just the reality of it. People want results and you know, this coming from the fitness industry, people want the results that they want without the work to get there. Totally. Right. It's the same thing in health and fitness. You can go to the best gym in the world, the best trainer with the best plan. But if you don't follow it, nothing happens. And then you can't be pissed at the trainer. You can't be pissed at the gym. You got to yeah. ultimately it's responsibility. Parenting is that is that same thing. man. we signed up for a long tail game of consistently pouring into another human being. Um, and regardless of the fact that if it's work or if it's what you planned, Again, kind of control your emotions, wrap your mind around, well, that's just the way the world is now. This is who I've got in front of me. And so what do I have to do to make the best thing happen for, for him or her? You know, we have to do that as parents, man. Yeah, it's so unfortunate, man. It seems like, and fitness is the perfect example. People don't actually want to get in shape. They don't actually want to be fit. They just want to make themselves feel not guilty about being fat. Yes, so they go to the gym, they pay for the gym membership. They probably buy healthy foods and vegetables and throw them in the garbage. They don't go to the gym. But they yeah. can at least rationalize to themselves, oh, you know, I tried. But they never, it's not, it's never really effort, right? That's, right. that's the same thing with children. It's like, oh, I'm just going to get them to the point that they're school age and I'm going to dump them off with some teacher who doesn't give a shit about them and let them go and, and fend for themselves. That's yes, what it sir. seems like. Yes, sir. I think you're absolutely right. I think that's, um, and, and, you know, I don't vilify people for thinking that way. Um, I only want to highlight the fact that I think that is the human condition. And then once you know that, then it's your responsibility to get out of that. Right. right. You see it play out in so many different things. You know, it's the whole, I don't know, you know, whatever the stat people always throw around and 95% of businesses fail within the first five years. And maybe that's true. And I think the reason that that's true, it's not because that many people have shitty business ideas. It's because they go, wait a second, 
it's hard to run a business. Yeah. It's really time intensive to run a business. And sometimes it sucks. Sometimes it's really, really hard. And I absolutely, it's the last thing I feel like doing that day. But those that do it anyway are the ones that end up getting the, you know, getting the fruit from that. Yeah. That's where the fear based uh, economy comes from, right? It's like yes, the sir. more fearful people are, the more, only, they're, the more they're only thinking about themselves and meeting their own needs. Like they, can't, they can't possibly have the energy and attention span to think about anything outside of themselves other than like self-preservation. So they just go, I'm going to off, I'm going to off gas this, this responsibility of my children and anything else just because I have to focus on me because I'm constantly in this state of fear and overwhelm. And ultimately this is why it's, it's being perpetuated. I believe why it's being perpetuated in the media is to F up the next generation. That's right. Well, a hundred percent. And think about how intensely we're doing that right now, right? All they're hearing is fear-based rhetoric. All they're hearing is fear-based news. All they're seeing at school is fear-based measures, right? And it's everybody wear a mask, everybody distance, everybody is afraid of, of the boogeyman that is about to kill them. And then, you know, they throw in the CRT. So you better be afraid of anybody that doesn't look like you as well. Um, and so you're getting fear, fear, fear that's going into the mind. And then you're also dialing down with those masks, like you're dialing down their natural ability to learn to just read people in general, right? Because the facial expressions are, are being lost and the connection to a human, because you can actually see their face, like that's being lost. So now you got somebody that's only heard fear. They've never developed empathy and the ability to connect to another human being. They don't understand how to read people. What is that going to produce long-term? It's not producing somebody that's going to be a character driven and love other humans. That is for right. sure. It's going to be quite the opposite. It's, it's China ultimately, right? It's creating the socialist yes, regime. Yes, like, sir. Yeah. And, and it's been so interesting just to think of like the tunnel vision that exists yeah. in those people's minds, like nothing else matters. Just like me keeping, keeping myself alive. And, and um, yeah, it's, it's, it pains me to think about all these young humans who are uh, at, at no fault of their own going to experience um, challenges, right? Massive challenges because a couple of, of ultimate uh, greedy humans greedy, or, or a lot of greedy people, maybe. Yeah. Yeah, you're absolutely right. But that, I mean, that's exactly why parents have, you know, the duty now. And maybe it is more so than previous generations, man. I mean, you can very much, I think you can very much make the case that um, it's going, it is much harder now to be a parent with all that's going on there. With you throw in the social media stuff and all the temptations around, you know, internet and gaming and, and uh, all of that. I think it is the hardest time probably ever to be a parent. Um, but we, that's not going to be an excuse. Yeah. So. Kind of moving along from children and talking about parents, you know, like kind of action items for themselves. I, I have this belief that if I take care of myself, I become more conscious of myself, I become more healthy myself, I become a leader, right? I have the energy for two, I have the energy to, to lead my tribe. So taking care of myself, both physically and mentally, um, where do you start with uh, advising parents or just anyone out there ultimately on how to start taking care of their mental hygiene and their physical hygiene? Mm, that's really good. Yes, the mental and the physical um, components are, are huge. You know, when I go back, the physical side of it is I've always been, you know, I've always been an athlete. And, and so, you know, I understood early on that what you put in your body dictates what comes out and, and how you perform. And, um, and I, I think I underappreciated that as a young person and as, as, as an athlete, but, um, I think what I've gotten to really appreciate, and I've actually had some really good conversations with our friend, Danny, um, kind of about that too, is, is the mental, capacity now that's related to the physical, right? I, I, um, will 
will evaluate my clarity of thought, um, my emotional output, my ability to stay, um, you know, emotionally neutral. We got a rule in our house to be an emotional ninja, right? My ability to be this emotional ninja, mm -hmm. all of that is directly related to, am I putting the right things in my body? And did I, did I get up this morning and get some physical activity, right? So for me, it's now it's just non-negotiable. It is, you know, you get up and you brush your teeth, right? You go out of the house and you better make sure you have pants on. I mean, it's literally that, you know, kind of, kind of thing, um, because of how it impacts the, the emotions and the mentality. Um, but the, the going back to that, the, the mental side and kind of keeping that, um, where it needs to be purpose is where I think you got to start with that, uh, is having a purpose. You got to have a goal. You got to have something that you are going after because you got to have that why. Um, but then for me, it's that intentionality every single day of um, growing, right? So you got to have that purpose of what am I doing this for? And then it's how do I want to grow? It's that growth mindset that we were talking about and, and adopting that. You can Talk to me about purpose, purpose, Matt. Talk to me about purpose because you're hitting on, my, you're hitting on my, my hot buttons here, man. Purpose and intentionality. So how does, how does one who's unfamiliar with purpose or, or unaware of their purpose in your mind start to figure out what that is? Fire, aim, ready, man. Um, yeah. we, all, we hear ready, aim, fire. And I think that's ass backwards. It's fire, aim, ready. You don't find purpose. You know, I always told my brother when he was looking for a girlfriend, you're not going to find a girlfriend sitting there playing video games and, and just kind of swiping and, and then hope she shows up at your house, right? Like that's not going to happen. You go out. You go out and the more times that you're out meeting people, not just girls, but just meeting people in general and you're building connections, well, then you're going to have more opportunity to find somebody that you connect with and relate to, right? Fire, aim, ready. It's the same kind of thing. We need to be intentional about growth means that means being intentional about experiences. The more experiences that you can take on, um, the more you're going to start to hone in the direction in your life and you're going to be able to hone in that purpose yeah you know, it, but it comes down to pulling the trigger and getting those experiences man i love it and i, I just i say like a simply start to understand your values when you start to understand your values live within them and the purpose will make itself apparent right if yeah. i stay within the, the the confines of the things that i know i value and I invest most of my time in those things and the people who also have common interests in a lot of those values purpose typically exists somewhere in the overlap of the things that you value most so for myself it's family, it's yep. fitness, it's freedom. You know, these are things that I value most. And so my then purpose lies right in the middle of that somewhere, right? Again, who knows yep. where exactly for everyone. But if, for me, if I find those three to five things that I value most in my life and I can find a way to bridge them together, then I'm going to be more likely to stumble upon a life of purpose, I believe. That's absolutely right, man. I think it's absolutely spot on. And, and keeping those values first and foremost in front of line, especially as a parent, um, that's a big deal, man. Yeah. Couldn't agree more. Man. So talk to me about your daily rituals with your family or with yourself to keep you in alignment with this purpose or with your values. Yeah. Um, I mean, day to day during the week, it's I'm up before everybody else is. And that's when I get my, you know, drinking coffee and that's where I'm doing my, my kind of study and my research. And, and I'm really in the, either in the education space, um, or, you know, in the, um, in the spiritual space, uh, or in the human health space i mean those are my three kind right, of man. You tell me what you're reading give me what are you learning right now you got you give me three of my hot buttons yeah man so um current book right now is called i'm um, going back and rereading it's called an introduction to god um, hmm. and i'm rereading it because it is a thick uh and very heady 
book. And so it's a lot of direct translation from the Hebrew, which is something that I've been working on um, myself and kind of translating Hebrew scripts. And so it's um, cool. done by a man who is a much better translator than I am. And so again, very kind of a, it's a, it's a heady thing. And it's the second time through this book. Um, so that's my morning. What are some of your biggest takeaways? Ooh, I mean, do we want to go down this? We can go down the spiritual, hey, spiritual route. Oh, man. So yeah, church is a business. Um, that is, you know, that, uh, is first and foremost. And I have experience in that um, realm as well, where I've literally taken some of these direct translations to pastors and said, hey, what do you think about this? And it's either, well, I was never taught that in seminary or, mm, you know what? Yeah, I know. But if you say that, the checks stop coming in. I've literally had those, you know, kind of uh, kind of things. So um, I think that the biggest takeaway is that you're not going to find, you're, you're not likely going to find God in, in church. Um, I, I will, I will say that, you know, so man, I, I'm a, a born Catholic and no. left the Catholic church. I was like an altar boy as a kid, man. I yeah. was like yeah. inculcated into the church. Yeah, and I, by the time I was 12, I was like, forget this. And it wasn't that I had any um, doubt about God. It was that I, I hated the idea of like, it felt like rote memorization, like repeat after me. God is good. God is great. And I was like, man, I love the the beliefs, but I don't like the practices. So that was, I remember being as early as like eight and being like, why am I being told to repeat after this guy rather than actually being taught some principles or something of, of value? Yeah. And I remember being young, just being rebellious and be like, I don't want to go. I don't want to listen to this stuff anymore. And I wish someone like yourself would come along and said, hey, man, read this. Like, check this out. This is like the good stuff. Not like these people over here are just basically brainwashing it. So it's exactly what we were talking about with the systems earlier, right? Like totally. You go into you know, to teacher training and you're taught to perpetuate the system. You're not taught about how to actually open up the world for young people. How do you perpetuate the system? And I think church is, is set up now to do the same thing and to perpetuate the system, but it's not um, designed in a way to really question, hey, is this exactly what uh, God said? Does this show us who God is? Does this allow us to question, you know, and, and can we really kind of grow in this? Um, so systemically, I have an issue with a, a lot of that as well. Um, so that is, um, that is definitely one thing. So that's the book I'm kind of reading in the, in the morning right now. Um, I'm also, uh, rereading at night, alter ego, um, the alter ego effect Todd Herman. by Todd Herman. Yep. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Which is, a, um, which is a great book, uh, as well. And on kind of the personal front and kind of deciding who you're going to be for the various components of your life kind of deal. Um, but so I'll do the morning, morning readings, and then I'll go into a workout. Um, and so I'll do both of those things to work out as time to finish right when my kids get up so that I can spend the morning with them doing breakfast, doing, um, stuff on the ranch. Um, and then we head over to one of the campuses. And so we'll be at, at school, you know, I say school cause that's what everybody understands. It's an Acton Academy campus. that's really run as kind of a homeschool co-op. Um, you know, so we're here during the day and they're out living their hero's journey. Um, and then I get to do amazing things like talk to, to great guys like you and, and, um, you know, really just kind of push us forward and open more and more campuses. We got three here in Northern California now. Um, and then nighttime is really set apart for the family. Those last couple hours are really just, you know, with the kids, they go to bed. I have at least a dedicated hour with my wife and, um, you know, and then we get up and kind of start it over again. And there's not a ton of outside of coming to campus on the weekends. There's not a ton of variation on that either. You know, people talk about routine and go, ah, but Saturday and Sunday, this we're pretty consistent, man. Um, mm -hmm. I'm going to eat a lot of the same stuff all the time. I'm going to work out every day. I'm going to 
be with my kids every day. I'm going to be with my wife every day. We're going to go to bed around the same time so that we feel really good getting up around the same time, you know, and that consistency over the long haul, I think is, has been able to set us apart, um, you know, from, from, uh, other people that kind of stray away on the weekends. Man, I talk about probably for the last three, probably even five years, I've been talking about creating a school of my own. Like I, I have, maybe, maybe it's a little worth looking at what you guys do in Axe Academy. I think my highest value, certainly my highest value in the world is, is children and giving back yeah. to children. I had what I would say is a troubled youth and uh, the fact that I can provide some type of direction or uh, solidarity or acceptance of young people uh, is very high on my value list, man. So uh, I love what you're doing. Talk to me about your purpose. So it seems like everything's aligning with this. Hey, I want to be a family man. I want to be a spiritual man. I want to drive, uh, you know, better education systems. Yeah. Where does that align as far as the purpose? Yeah, I think you put it, um, I think you put it really well when you kind of put that, you know, you were kind of talking about that, that trivium for you, right? So I can remember very clearly being, I think you and I are, are right about, I think I'm just a little bit older than you, but you and I are just about the same age. Um, I remember very clearly sitting in the theater and I was watching Braveheart, right? Remember that movie? And so I was just mm-hmm. you know, a teenager. I was, 14, maybe 13, 14. when that came out. I remember sitting there watching it and I didn't understand why I didn't have the capability necessarily to understand why or the experience yet, I guess, to understand why, but the thought of a man who was living his life in like fully for others and for a, for a cause and being willing to die for it when the vast majority um, we're running the other direction and then being able to be so intent on that focus that other people would actually follow, not even necessarily because of what the mission was, but because he believed so wholeheartedly in the mission, right? Um, that resonated with me. And so I knew as I got older, I'd figure out what that was going to be for me. What was going to be that thing that I was attacking so hard um, that other people just had to come along, you know, and, and at the very core of it, I have to agree with Mark Bell, like, my legacy, my purpose is, are those four people that I live with at home. Like that is it. So then the, the small offshoots right off of there, well, then what I'm doing on the education side is for them, but it's also leading other parents to do the same, the same thing, right? What I'm doing on that spiritual side is ultimately for me and really trying to figure out who God is, but I'm leading them in that direction. Anybody else that wants to try to learn, you know, what that is. And on that physical and mental health side, it's the exact same thing. So, um, you know, for me, those are, that's really the genesis of every single thing that I do. I love it. I got a bit of a strange question for you. What gave you the courage to believe that you deserved to have a purpose that pulled you so much that you wouldn't stop? So I think most people don't have the courage to believe that they deserve that. They're like, oh, you know, I'm just going to kind of go through life. And most people don't even have the, the kind of uh, yeah. consciousness to, to pursue it. But yeah. also when you decide on it, to have the courage to pursue it, I think is uh, not common. Yeah. Um, honest answer. Yeah. Tyler Durden. Yeah. Nice. <laughs> yeah, dude. That yeah. was friggin' Fight Club. I mean, no joke. That was another one that hit me super hard. Yeah. Um, where you know the that whole concept of being able to to literally reinvent yourself um, into whatever shape and form you needed to to be the person you wanted to be, and the fact that most people live you know kind of these lives of, of quiet desperation, um, you know, like like was said in Thoreau, um, that literally was kind of the transformational piece for me. Where I'm like, okay, well then, 
I'm going to go forward and do whatever it is that, you know, so it wasn't too long after I saw that, that I'm like, okay, well, I'll take up, I had done martial arts forever, but I'm going to, there's this weird mixed martial arts thing. I'm going to go get in the cage because how many people are going to even ever have that experience? How many more, you know, so it was then where I started trying to collect experiences and decide who, who do I want to be in this life? How do you tell the line between being a strong man and you can take that to me, whatever you, you will, and uh, existing in this world, existing in, in the world of that's ultimately um, condemning male strength, right? It's condemning the the masculinity, period, right? It seems like if yes. you are someone who um, tries to uh, embody whatever it means to be a strong male, you're uh, often ridiculed, condemned, uh, knocked down. Mm-hmm. You really are. I mean, I I think any I think there's a lot of strong men. My friend Jack Donovan talks about the difference between being uh, a good man and being good at being a man. He talks about how those two things are are different, right? Being a good man and being good at being a man. Um, I think part of being a good man, first and foremost, is the humility to go, okay, I'm going to mess some of this stuff up too. So as I'm leading my family, as I'm leading and building these schools, as I'm pursuing you know, who God is, as I'm pursuing health and fitness, I'm going to screw some things up. And I need to have the humility to not just be okay with it, but to be okay when somebody calls me on the carpet and Ben goes, hey man, you really messed it up right there. I gotta be able to go, okay, yeah, man, you're right. I need to switch course, right? So it's gotta start with that foundation um, there. Um, but after that, it, it really just goes back to a focus on that that purpose. So if you look at that, that little ball of purpose that I've got right there, those four people at home, um, if they're truly my purpose, then that's really gonna be you know, that's going to be a North star for me. Um, am I leading them? Okay. Would they tell other people that I'm the best man that they know? Right. If they'll tell other people that I'm the best man that they have ever known, I'm winning. Yeah. Right. I'm winning right there. And then if I can take a look spiritually and go, okay, you know, you think about David, right. Whose name was, his name was Dode. We call him David. Um, it was one of the only, he was the only man that God said, well, this is a man after my own heart. And that dude was a hot mess. Um, as far as what he did, he he was screwing up and all the time, but God looked at him and said, but you're always right about who I am. So you're a man after my own heart, right? So it's the same thing. If I can go, okay, these guys are saying I'm the best man they know. If God can say I'm a man after my own heart and then, you know, then I, then I've won. And then as you go out slowly from that circle, the people that I deal with on a day-to-day basis, right? I don't think there's anybody I talk to on a, daily basis or a weekly basis, you know, relatively consistently that would not say I'm a good man. They'll all know I'm faulty as all get out, but I don't think anybody would say I don't have integrity, that I don't live by those virtues. I don't think there's anybody that knows me that would say that. And so those are, you know, that's the only way I think to really kind of measure that, that victory. Man, I love it. I love it. And the world needs more strong men. So thank you for doing what you can to be one and to raise some and continue to pass on uh, wisdom to our future generations, man, and current generations. Um, where can our audience find more from you, Matt? Thank you, brother. I appreciate that greatly. Um, I would love for anybody to check out what we're doing with Acton Academy worldwide. And um, that doesn't even necessarily have to do with anything for me. I've got specific campuses. So if you check out actonacademy.org um, and learn about what we're doing there, 
Um, the mentorship program is apogeeprogram.com. Uh, and I know we're honored we're going to get to have you on as a, uh, as a guest in a couple of weeks. Okay. And we're going to run that as an episode of the Essential 11 too, which I'm super pumped for. Um, and then, you know, I'm, I'm pretty active on IG, Facebook, and it's just my name, just Matt Bodro. Uh, so real quick, what's the, the premise of Acton Academy for anybody listening who maybe is interested in checking it out, but maybe they won't take the initiative to go do it? Yeah. Acton Academy, man, is all about the hero's journey uh, for young people. It is our core belief that every child that walks into our doors is a genius uh, and that we're promising to just unlock that genius in the world. I mean, that is literally it. So it's, and again, it comes back to massive, taking the actual steps. It's massive responsibility and, and good character. Um, but if you're coming in with responsibility and character, we're going to open every single door for you and allow humanity to grow. So is there an go. online portal for people to access or like some like entry level info? Because like, I'd be interested in doing that. I'm not in your area. I don't know that I have an IT academy around me. Yeah. I'd love to explore some of the principles some of the values some of the premises and see if it is a fit for me. Yeah. I mean, actonacademy.org does a good job of laying some of that out. We've got some videos in there that really kind of, you know, start uh, explaining the philosophy. Um, there's a book called Courage to Grow. Um, that Laura Sandifer wrote that was, it's all around kind of the start of acting. Um, that's also a good place. But I always tell people, man, a Google and a YouTube search on all things Acton Academy is going to bring you down some rabbit holes. You're going to go down, you know, you'll find the Forbes magazine, the Inc. magazine, you'll find, you know, Seth Godin um, talking on multiple platforms, including my podcast, where he's like, look, Acton Academy is the only thing that makes sense going forward. Or Gary, wow. v, you know, Gary V's going, that's a school I would have effing gone to. Like it's, you know, um, you'll go down that rabbit hole through Google and YouTube as well. Um, but actonacademy.org and Courage to Grow are probably the two best places to start. Matt, it's been an absolute uh, pleasure and enlightening experience for me, man. Thank you for making the time for myself and the listeners. We're truly grateful. Uh, absolutely honored, my friend. Anything I can do, just say the word. Thanks. And that's a wrap, ladies and gents. Thank you so much for joining the Muscle Intelligence Podcast. I am your host, Ben Bukowski. As always, this podcast is framed around living your greatest life in a body of love. And living your greatest life means learning to control what's going into your mind and ultimately what you start to believe. One of the things that I, that I work on with every one of my coaching clients is starting to pay attention to belief systems. If you're offended by things, if you're someone who maybe struggles in certain areas, if we get angry, maybe you're constantly on high alert and the alarm bells are constantly going off in your brain, chances are some of your beliefs aren't being met. Some of your expectations aren't being met. Starting to explore those beliefs and asking yourself, hey, are these serving me? Or are these harming me? Are these ultimately causing me pain? Or are they causing me uh, benefit, we'll say, right? So ask yourself, do these beliefs serve me? Beliefs can be like hats. You can really try them on. So ask yourself, do the things that we spoke about today in this podcast fit your belief system? Do they fit your best interest? Or do you want to continue living in anger, fear, frustration, and overwhelm, which is so common in our society? I don't know about you, but I want to support you and support the world in uh, eliminating divisiveness, eliminating stupidity, and all of this, this control that's happening right now. And I hope we can all band together and be strong. And regardless if you're pro uh, this or anti that, I don't care. Just be good people, be nice to each other, support each other. And the divisiveness is not what this is about. What this is about is the control. Right, We're trying to control people and force them down a path that nobody needs to go down. So I hope you uh, enjoyed the conversation. I hope you open your mind. 
And I hope you ultimately realize what's going on in the world right now. And hopefully we can band together and live a truly great life rather than being controlled by powers that ultimately shouldn't be controlling what we do. Thanks, guys. This podcast is, again, brought to you by Real Mushrooms. Realmushrooms.com slash Ben is going to get you hooked up with 30% off. If you're already a customer of Real Mushrooms, you can still get hooked up with 20% off by using the code MUSCLE. Thank you so much. I appreciate you being here. I appreciate you always listening to the podcast. Don't forget to subscribe. Leave us a review. Let us know what you thought. If you love it, if you hate it, if you want to tell me anything about me, you can do that. I appreciate you guys. And uh, anyone who's got great insights and feedback, always great to hear from you. Have a great day. Thank you so much for tuning into Muscle Intelligence. If you enjoyed today's episode, please be sure to share it with at least one person you know. Make sure you're subscribed so you never miss an episode. This podcast is for information purposes only. The statements and views on this podcast are not medical advice. This podcast, including Ben Pikulski and the producers, disclaim responsibility for any possible adverse effects from the use of information contained herein. Opinions of guests are their own, and this podcast does not endorse or accept responsibility for statements made by guests. This podcast does not make any representations or warranties about guest qualifications or credibility. This podcast may contain paid endorsements or advertisements for products or services. Individuals on this podcast may have a direct or indirect financial interest and products or services referred to herein. If you think you have a medical problem, consult a licensed physician.